Welcome to the Building Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast, where we will discuss with industry experts on how to create wealth and build passive income from apartment buildings, self-storage, mobile home parks, and much more. Here is your host, Jonathan Way. Welcome to the Building Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Way, and I'm the founder of Grayson Capital Group, my investment firm. If you're interested in passively investing with us, please visit graystonecapgroup.com and join our investor network. Okay, and now on to the show. Hello, Omar, and welcome to the show. Hi, Jonathan. Thank you for inviting me. Pleasure to be here. Yes, pleasure to be here, Omar. Um, can you tell us about your background? My background in finance and operations and a whole bunch of different things. I just had a very varied background, personally and professionally. And now I basically run a lot of uh, uh, multifamily syndications, real estate and private equity deals, uh, leveraging a lot of my background in finance, operations, deal structuring, and all of that stuff. Okay, great. Wonderful, wonderful. Let's um, take a look at a little deep dive of your last deal in Georgia. Can you tell us about that deal? Yeah, it was a class B, B plus value add. 88, I think 88 or 91, I'm forgetting the exact name, about a $25 million deal. We're putting in close to a million and a half, $1.6 million in CapEx. And look, the deal layer is very simple. Uh, the demand supply is working in our favor. There's no practically no supply and a lot of demand because the school district is very highly rated. Uh, the interiors hadn't been upgraded for the past, God knows, like a decade, decade and a half plus. A lot of work had to be done, but the property had good bones right demographics, right location, and that's what we look for. Beautiful, beautiful. And how did you uh, find this great deal? Oh, this is all through broker relationships. Okay, okay. It was an off-market deal? No, it's not on-market. It was on-market, but I had a good broker connection. We knew about it. That's why when we always like to be in situations where we have an unfair advantage, and in that particular case, because of my relationships with the brokers and people who know me in Atlanta, I was able to basically get ahead of people who were paying more money but obviously did not have the credibility that I did. Oh, great, great. Yeah, I think credibility speaks a lot. When people know you and say, Omar, can close on a deal and they believe in you, they give you that deal. So that great. really helps. Great, great. So in terms of your due diligence, um, what, what's your process? Do you, have, do you bring your own guys there, your own construction guys? Or how do you do the process, due diligence? Okay, I have different partners for various things, apart from the rental audit, lease audit, bank account statements, auditing, all of that sort of work. The unit walkthroughs and all, there are people on our team, plus I have partners or developers, so they can, and construction guys who can basically provide more granular input. And we do a pretty thorough deep dive, both into the property and the surrounding areas. But the surrounding area, you know, research is obviously done much before we close the deal. And then on the property level, due diligence is all the same. To be honest with you, it's a pretty standard process. A lot of people, it's standard in the sense that it's a lot of easy things, but you still have to go through all of them, right? So physical due diligence, accounting, and financial due diligence, operational due diligence. But to be very honest with you, a good portion of these at the surface level, you should have already done uh, before you were even awarded the deal. Right, right. You should look up front and see if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, a good portion of it. Sense. You won't get everything, but a good portion of it at the surface level, at least you should have done before. Mm-hmm. And uh, for your property manager, do you leverage someone like that you have close by and you use the yeah. same property manager? Yeah, okay. we use the same property manager pretty much in all our properties. Okay, okay. I guess are they yeah. nationwide? Like they could go to any no, state? No, but oh, I mean, okay. it's not one, it's, more, it's more of a trust-based relationship than a local relationship. So we trust them. They have expertise in that area. Plus, we also have expertise in managing them. And they have expertise working with our, with, within the context of our systems. So that's why it's easier. 
Okay, great. And during your due diligence walk and your your findings, did you find anything major wrong with that that no. property? No, for no. us, I mean, I don't want to curse myself because I don't want to find something tomorrow that we overlooked. Uh, but no, we didn't find. Thankfully, we didn't find anything major. And I mean, look, minor things you find here and there that'll happen with every property, mm-hmm. but nothing major. Everything thankfully went according to plan. But again, part of this is also because we had accounted for most. Um, most possible outcomes. Okay. And we already done a lot of research before we got the deal. So there were no surprises as such. Yeah. And what I think one of your favorite thing is talking about the, the financing. I think you used the bridge loan versus the agency loan. And can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that was purely because of the amount of CapEx we had to spend on the property, the amount of, uh, you know, basically the value add that we're bringing onto the deal. I'm not opposed to agency loans. I love agency loans, but it also depends on the project, right? If on a project, you are doing a lot of CapEx, a lot of value, right? Well, an agency loan, again, depending on the project and where you are and all that and the time and all of that might not be the best option. But then again, a bridge loan might not be the best option uh, depending on the circumstances and how your agency loan size. So it's it's on a case-by-case basis. There is no like one size fits all sort of philosophy. Yeah, and I think the penalty aspect was that for bridge loan, was it a penalty or was it, was it no, a, a step was, down? No, okay. no, there's no. It's a standard. The whole point with bridge loan is it's relatively short-term financing. So the whole idea is you get in, you you execute, and then you refinance into permanent uh, or agency debt or sell. Okay, I mean, if that's what you want to do. Yes, yes, wonderful. Now, is this a was it a five-year hold, or how long you project to hold this property? Well, typically we project always five five to seven-year hold. Mm-hmm. But look, we're about a year into this thing, give or take. Uh, so so far, we're ahead of schedule both operationally and financially. Hopefully, that continues. Uh, but, you know, we still have about another year left before we decide whether what we want to do. Yeah, we just yeah. always like to give ourselves enough room. So we're never backed into a corner. Okay, great, great. Now, just curious, uh, you know, no one expected COVID-19 when you bought it, like it was the last year you bought it last year. Uh, so as time passes by, no one expected that. So how did that impact your multifamily in this in this building? It didn't really affect us at all. This is uh, okay. look, the median income. Thankfully, thankfully, we got lucky. Uh, the median income in this neighborhood is about sixty thousand plus dollars, give or take. Uh, it's in a very high, highly rated school district. So materially, there were no material issues with regarding COVID. We did take all the precautions, closed up our common areas, uh, the leasing office did a lot of virtual tours, made sure we provided hot meals to the elderly residents, as well as ensuring that we maintain social distances plus additional hygiene measures and everything else that the CDC and the Apartment Association guided us towards. But with regards to financial impact, uh, that wasn't really the case. Uh, a lot of guys who would get affected were in the C, C plus sort of D space. Yes. Uh, guys like us who are in the B, B plus value rate space, so far at least, have not been affected or materially okay. affected rather. Yes, materially affected, immaterial. Now, yeah. has this um, so-called moratorium on evictions have any impact on your operations? Well, Georgia didn't really have an eviction on moratoriums for too long. They, they had it for a little while in between and then they lifted it up. But again, look, we're ideally, we just never want to evict people because why would you want to do that? So we always try to work with our residents, provide them a safe, comfortable, secure, uh, you know, abode. And in exchange, they have to always pay us on time. And sometimes things happen and we work with them. But so far, at least nothing has happened so far. But what I do know is that there is a nationwide ban on uh, eviction uh, that has been implemented, I think, on August 8th. Or August, as of August 8th, it's going to be implemented sometime this month or something. And that states, this is just my understanding so far, we're still getting clarity from our lawyers that you can't evict somebody till December for non-payment of rent. But other reasons, you know, you can evict people. 
So, I mean, I, it depends how that plays out. I have no idea. So far, at least we've been lucky. We are playing the space where our residents are responsible. They want to pay their rent on time. And if they get behind, we work with them. Okay. That's just wonderful. I'm glad to hear that it's working out well. It's in a good so area. So far. I don't want to jump the gun. So far, it's working out well. But let's yes. hope for Yes, wonderful. Great, great. Um, so in this Georgia deal versus the one in Florida you have, what would you say the differences are between those two? This is a better demographics, obviously. Better demographics, uh, bigger market. So it's just comparing apples and oranges. Okay, okay. And what would you say that in, in your lessons, in your in a lesson you learned that in your experience in multifamily syndication, what would you like to share to say that you learn and can help give some feedback, some advice? Well, I mean, look, you always need to have the right partners, find the right markets. Everybody will tell you that. This wasn't necessarily a lesson I learned in multifamily, but because of my family's background, I always knew uh, that anytime you go into a deal or one has to go into a deal, they have to be very adequately capitalized. Sometimes being slightly overcapitalized helps as well and have ample reserves on the side for the rainy day. So that's what we do on all of our deals. So whereas that's not a lesson learned in multifamily, that's a lesson learned that can be applied in multifamily, like it can be applied in any other business. Okay, great, great. And um, what would you recommend to our listeners? For what? <laughs> like, I guess learning, reading about multifamily. Do you have a book that you like to read? No, not necessarily. Look, my background is in finance, so I didn't necessarily, from the structuring point of view, I didn't necessarily, or running the PL and all of that, I didn't necessarily have to read some book. Uh, okay. There were a lot of accounting books that I read, but not something related okay. to multifamily. But look, a lot of this thing is you just have to get started and you have to get started with the right people. I always advise people that to refrain from attending any of these gurus and seminars and these sorts of pitches because people who are actually doing the work and making a lot of money don't have time to give these bullshit sort of web seminars. Oh, yes. Yes, I do. I do agree. Yes. So I tell people, look, uh, if you want to get involved, whichever city, whichever area you live in, there are obviously very successful people living in that area doing real estate. It is best for you to reach out to them in some shape or capacity. Try to have a coffee informational interview with them. Learn more about them. See how you can contribute to them in any capacity whatsoever and sort of start going around that. Okay, great. And that doesn't matter which part of the country you're in, because in every part of the country, there are successful people. That's a great advice, Omar. I think I, I really do resonate with that because sometimes I see people selling programs and, and costing a lot of money. And I, I don't know, sometimes they say, they say, oh, when, when you have a deal, money will follow. I, think, I don't think that's really that simple, right? Because if it's a large deal, I mean, you need to raise that kind of capital. And if you don't have it, then obviously you're going to lose a lot of money. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's really, yeah. So that's why I think it's, it's better to just, you know, talk to people, network and maybe talk to someone who's doing it and see if mm-hmm. you can add some value to them. Yeah. That, that's great. That's great. How can people reach out to you, Omar? They want to connect with you. You can go to our website, boardwalkwealth.com. That's B-O-A-R-D walkwealth.com. Right on the homepage, you can enter your name, your email address, and how you found out about us and click the button. I don't know what it says. There's a button there. Just click it and uh, you will get an email, verify your email address. You will be added to our distribution list. You can also email me personally at omar, O-M-A-R, at boardwalkwealth, B-O-A-R-D, walkwealth.com. I'd be happy to answer any questions or assist in any way that I can. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Omar. Thank you so much, Jonathan. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information, you can find us online at www.graystonecapgroup.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. See you again next time.